fair amount of talking about our immediate family and our relationships. But the interesting dynamic is we don't have like that, that sister dynamic, you know? So the idea of growing up with women outside of our mom, you know, wasn't there. So kind of once that is introduced into your life and you're having to, you know, deal like, I think of it like this, like Cohen and Jonah, like they've grown up understanding like, Oh yeah, Camden's on her period. And oh yeah, you know, she gets like we didn't grow up with that sort of thing really, you know? So like yeah. they had a totally different experience growing up than you and I did that kind of had to be learned later in many ways. Yeah. We had to learn it through dating, I guess. Yeah, I, but, I think I mean you have a mother, but like your mom kind of like hides those things. Actually, mom was pretty I don't did she ever talk to us about she never talked to us about her no 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 her no, like no. her like menstrual cycle right <laughs> no not that I can recall like she talked to us give, about the given my she history the birth and abuse. she did I was just gonna say though given my history if she did there's a good chance I blocked that out <laughs> I, I remember she would but like with like body sounds she was pretty open like like flatulation yeah <laughs> burps and stuff <laughs> she's pretty open with like the farting i don't remember that come on i don't like she would just she like, would, like let it rip she would just she'd let it rip all the time sometimes she would like use the bathroom with the door open do you remember that i do remember that i yeah that's yeah. that's i do remember being uncomfortable with that <laughs> I was always uncomfortable with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Candace and I still to this day don't do that. Part yeah, of that I don't is, know why you would. Well, I mean, I I, I think uh, I know tons of people, and I think even if you just look at, you know, you watch TV shows and movies, it seems like a pretty common thing for couples to do. We've always felt like that's a line we just don't want to cross. But I also feel like in a movie or a TV show, it's just more convenient. Could be. Yeah, that's to true. Leave a door open, it's and just, you can like. You don't have to like change locations and get the camera in the bathroom. Well, that's true. Yeah. You know. I guess that's a good. But one. but maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe mom grew up that way. I don't know. But maybe so. That would be. That's a weird thought. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I think so. Just kind of what the influence of uh, women, women that in our lives. Mom. Yeah. Because it's been it's been like two. Almost two months since we was, talked, man. It was like August 17th or something, I think, yeah. is when the last well, one was like Craig Scott was like the death nail to our show. <laughs> it's true. No. No, I do like the idea, though, of trying to bring on occasionally like a third party. Yeah, definitely. With us, because I think we interact well with that third party. So. Yeah, definitely. But. So anyway, we'll get started. This is my brother's deeper uh, podcast about two brothers. One lives in England, one lives in Chicago. Uh, one's a pastor, one's a writer. We, I think this might be like our fifteenth episode. Is it? Is it? I don't That's know. A good question. I haven't like been on like <laughs> in so long. No. I have seriously. It's not Craig's fault. It's mine. <laughs> No, it's not. I mean, Craig was the last guest that we had, and um, yeah. I, like you said, I think it was one of our most enjoyable episodes. 
but yeah, since then we've like, just not been able to get together. Yeah. Maybe because he set the standard so high, like we're fearful of trying to reach it, you know. <laughs> well, that would be a, that's a good thought for him to mull over while he's listening to this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly right. But you know, speaking of that though, before we get into this about like having people on, and you know how at like, the end of that we were talking about the Buffingtons. Oh yeah. And like how it would be cool to have like somebody like that on. Somebody contacted me through LinkedIn. I mean, like, who uses LinkedIn? Do you use LinkedIn? You talking about LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a fairly common like. Uh, work, I know it is, but do you networking. use it? You find yourself you find yourself using it? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, right. Not, not really. But, but like, I think a lot of people do. They do, and some people send me messages on there, and you're like. You don't see it for like a month and you're like, because <laughs> you're not checking. What is what is this? What are you yeah. even talking about? But this guy, I don't know if you remember this guy when I lived in to live with dad in Dallas. I played basketball with this kid named Brad. Yeah. Remember I remember. Brad Parlin. I totally do. Yeah. He contacted me when I post the pod, the episode, I'll, it'll link to all these things like Twitter and like LinkedIn's one of them. <laughs> For some reason. Well, I think they're owned Man, by Facebook. I might be wrong with that, but I think they're owned by one of the biggies. Facebook owns everything. Yeah. So he sent me this message, and he was like, I'd love to talk to you about the Kung Flu, because we had talked about Corona. No. Kung oh, Flu. So you know where he's coming from right there. Yes, but I thought it'd be great to have somebody like that on. I agree. Like, I haven't talked to him in... 10 or so years he has his he's married and has kids and but he's from he lives in texas and he is probably not vaccinated like i had a friend a friend of mine contacted me the other day two or three weeks ago and told me that a friend of ours in texas that uh our age had gotten covid and died from it really not vaccinated oh man so, and then I had another friend, my friend Matt told me, and, you know, months back was asking me if I was vaccinated. I, I mentioned this on the last episode. So it's like, a, you know, Texas is like a place where people are kind of still mulling over <laughs> the decision. Totally. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, isn't that reinforced by the leadership there, like their governor as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I think Texas is one of those places, too, that has an attitude of rebellion mm-hmm. against Completely. whatever whatever else the country's doing, you know? Yeah, you're right. No matter what the issue is, they feel independent of it, don't they? Yeah, I mean, they're part of America, but they're not. Right, right. Yeah, they've got a, they they, feel, they've got a unique attitude about it. Yeah, they, they feel like their independence is important. But, like, the, the, the only thing that they use is, like, I got to do more research. That's the thing that comes up is what the reasoning why you're not getting because that's what Matt told me. And then the friend of mine told me that's what that that guy who passed away said. I need I need more information. And it's like if you're saying that you're not doing any research at all. No, I I just uh, like I want to ask those people, like, what is what is your process to find out and to research? Like, what are you looking for? What are you accessing and what is it that's not already made available 
um, that, that, you know, is out there for the wider public to consume, um, that's not good enough for you. You know, I mean, once literally the FDA started to approve this stuff, like, what is it that you think you have access to that they don't? I I don't, I just don't get that line of reasoning. Unless it's a distress of where the story's coming from, a media thing. Not trusting the source. Yeah. Well, it's like, okay, so, so this outlet says the FDA approved it and they're, do they go and Google like media facts or something about that? Like say it's like business insider is reporting this. You can go and look at like where their bias is. And if it's leaning liberal, you're like, okay, never mind. I don't I want mean, that. I, I guess, except for the fact that like in that instance, whatever media outlet uh, is reporting, they're, they're reporting a fact that is very easily substantiated or not. Like all you have to do is go to the FDA website like that. Yeah. So at that point, what you're saying is – and I think this is probably more the issue is, well, we're not trusting the government because the FDA is a government agency. So if the government is untrustworthy, anything that comes out of the government is also untrustworthy. So I think you know, that's the reality of it is that is that, is that sort of mindset is just like I've, I've basically made my mind up. Nothing's going to change it, so now everything in my world is going to kind of shift towards that mindset, no matter. Yeah, so anyway, that was just a interesting – I think, I think you should, should invite them on. I think we should, right? That'd be awesome. Yeah, Seriously, it Kung would. flu. I, I, would, I would – and it's not to like – like if he's listening to this now before he gets the invite, it's not to rip him. Like I legitimately would love to there, just listen and ask questions. I would too, but I'm glad that's where you're coming from because where I'm coming <laughs> from is like I will rip this guy a little bit because I know. Well, I, if we, it gets ridiculous, I, like if he gets ridiculous, obviously, like there'll be pushback. But I don't want him to think like. Because I think the biggest issue, honestly, Josh, like what we're talking about, the reason why people have made up their minds is because they're unwilling to listen to someone else's perspective. So it's like we can't do the same thing. Like we've got to be willing, even if we think the perspective is, you know, whack crazy. Like we still need to kind of push and prod and go, okay, well, where's this coming from? And you know, let's let's get to the root of this. So I. I'll play the straight guy. You can be the you can be Jack the Ripper. <laughs> we'll yeah, see where we I, go. I have no problem doing that. I think we should circle back to this because there's a thing that is happening in the world, especially here with the vaccine and whether people are getting it. And it has a lot to do. It cor- there's like a parallel with women's rights too. So which is kind of on subject. Because what we're talking about is how are we? What are we calling it? Like we're how women have affected us and yeah. molded us. I think. I mean, obviously, we're yeah. kind of we're kind of shifting gears here from the intro. But I think originally our thought in coming into today's episode was we've done a lot of talk, a lot of introspection about our family, right? And so it was me, it was you, it was mom, um, and then we had obviously dad though the marriage was divorced and various step family members and that sort of thing um but it just struck me that like as we were talking about this sort of stuff 
that you know both are both you and I now are in you know serious long-term relationships and um and the effect that women have had on our lives from this that aren't our mom right like we didn't grow up with the sister um we had an aunt we had two aunts but we weren't very close to them like really the the dominant feminine personality in our life was our mom and so now that we're you know beyond that and have left the roost i just think it would be interesting to kind of go okay what 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 do you think has shaped us from those type of kind of different relationships because i was mentioning to you earlier that you know my two sons have grown up with sisters so like their perspective and their knowledge of the opposite sex uh, is way ahead of what mine was when I were their their age. You know, all all that was kind of learned, um, you know, kind of post um, living at home for me. And I, I would assume for you as well. So that was kind yes. of the idea. Yeah, definitely for me it was all trial and error. Uh, didn't know much, you know, just from just other than what mom our experience with mom and like grandmothers, but grandmothers are, I don't know if that's a good source. Maybe it is. I don't know. But, but if you start with a mom, with our mom, I think that the, for me was a tough thing to deal with as far as like gender, understanding gender gaps with her. It was very antagonistic for me at some point. And I think misogyny grows in that. Mm. You know, and I think that I still kind of deal with it Mm. to this day of just like small levels of misogyny, Mm. you know, of like women trying to do things to you that you don't want them to do. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. Whether it's change you or make you do something you don't want to do. Right. Uh, I still feel struggle of like of letting go of certain control you know i don't know if you felt that way being like control for your own life you mean like in your own personality and the things that you like you know like women women are smarter than you (laughs) and i this is the thing that i have learned like i don't like to toot my own horn at all when it comes to like intelligence because i feel like i do a hundred dumb things a day sure i might say something that sounds smart once but yeah. then there's a hundred other things before that that were just terrible. But I find that most women that I meet are way smarter than me. Mm-hmm. And that comes on not just like a a book smart thing, but more of like an innate mm-hmm. uh, humanity. Like emotional you know? intelligence. Yes, emotional intelligence is a huge one because when you do talk to – like I talk to women all the time about dating – you know, and they're like dating some guy or something like that. And one one of the more, and this was probably me too at some point, was like you don't have what you, what you call like you don't have a lot of tools in the toolbox, <laughs> emotional tools, mm-hmm. you know. So you don't know how to deal with all, like certain situations that come up when you're in a relationship with a woman. And women, you know, they seem to kind of know all that stuff already. And I think it has yeah. a lot to do with like what their bodies are put through. Yeah, as, yeah. You know, you know, it's like it's a they're tougher than us. They have babies. Agreed. They don't, yes. you know, they before they have babies, they we mentioned menstrual cycles. They bleed <laughs> yes. every month. 
Yeah. Like they're tougher. They're way tougher and smarter than us. That's the yeah. thing that I, but I, I, it took me a long time to get to that because like everything was informed by mom, right. you know, like it's a, this Freudian thing, mm-hmm. you know, of like, where are all your psychological problems? Oh, it starts at the mother. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. So that's a hard, I don't, did you not have that at all? I mean, I'm sure I did to some degree. You know, I mean, I think we're going to probably pick up on a theme <laughs> that we've we've struck before where, um, you know, I feel like you you definitely you definitely processed um, kind of your relationship with mom, I think, probably better and more deeper, but differently than I than I did. I Like I think about it like. Like when I, you know, started to date girls, like obviously I had I, I didn't have a map. Like it wasn't like we saw our parents dating, right? We didn't really see a relationship in regards. We didn't have a good blueprint. No, not at all. I mean, I, I I do think that like, you know, probably the most positive blueprint that we did have was probably our grandparents. You know, Papa, Mama, uh, from the standpoint of like there was honor, there was respect. Uh, there was, you know, they they settled into roles, but um, oftentimes though they weren't just the traditional roles, you know. Like our grandfather would wash dishes, and he would, you know, he did he he did things that served his wife. Um, but we didn't have a blueprint for that. So I think when I started to date, like I think a lot of my learning was intentionally wired towards I want to pursue and practice what i've not seen so from that perspective of like did mom influence me i i think i think the relationships that she had influenced me from the standpoint of i want to do it differently you know so when i went into starting dating girls it was like okay like i i want to be known as um the guy who opens the door I want to be known as the guy who, um, you know, pays for the meal, who who honors her, you know, that sort of thing. That was kind of that pursuit that I had. And like you said, there's trial and error. And then you realize, you know, like um, some relationships, it's easier to do that. And some of them, the dynamic is not there whatsoever. And so then you're trying to figure out, OK, well, am I am I forcing something that doesn't need to be forced? Is that part of the dynamic of this relationship or is that somehow um intruding on on how i think a relationship should be so there's there was a lot of a lot of like just trying to figure it out on your own you know you didn't i we didn't have a sister to talk to you know mom's not really a person that i would talk to about relationships in that regard um i never talked to her about i had over the years i've never really spoken to her about the i would often keep relationships Right. Her, like she would know about a lot of just them. to avoid talking to her about it. You know, it's strange. She did the same thing to us. So maybe it's like a thing we do. It's <laughs> a good point. It's true. You know, yeah, maybe there's there's there is some sort of hidden hidden gene issue with us. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so, yeah, for me, it was it was it was kind of, a I think, a, a clear understanding early on, like I wanted something different. And so it was that. Then, then it was it was the back and forth of trying to trying to figure that out in regards to what that looked like. And then, I, I mean, to be honest with you, it further developed for me in regards to how to relate to the opposite sex as my faith grew. Because because like as I got more into like 
like my faith and scriptures in particular, like it's amazing how much uh, the Bible does talk about relationships and relationships between men and women. And so there there was a real uh, sense of being informed that way as well that um, really had a big influence. Do you have like a do you have like a favorite wife husband wife duo in the Bible? Husband <laughs> wife duo. Uh, that's a great question because um, a lot of the examples are not great examples um, because there's you know lots of uh, either barrenness or death or uh, marrying multiple women, um, which hey there's an issue for a podcast one day. Um, yeah, you know there so uh, there is a there is a couple in the New Testament that uh, the Apostle Paul refers to, um, not a lot, but he refers to uh, a couple called Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila. And he talks about essentially how like they're partners in ministry, uh, partners in the church. And uh, it, it seems when when he talks about them that, uh, you know, he he talks about them almost as a unit. And I, that's always been kind of cool to me to you know to to be seen uh that way to be written about that way because i really i i think like that's that's how candace and i would want to be viewed as well as to say like you know we we are like we are a unit like it's that standpoint of like when your kids try to you know divide you by asking mom one thing and asking dad you know the very same thing when mom says no like we've been very clear um, not always successful, but very clear and at least trying to state to say, hey, no, we are of one mind. Like you, you can't divide us. And I think that's that's the same for the way we approach, you know, not just parenting in our marriage, but the way we even try to approach our jobs and our interests. Like we, we, we definitely see that as a team, like we're individuals. But um, I like that way. I like the way the Bible talks about Priscilla and Aquila. So I guess if I had to pick a couple, that would be it. I have never. That's a good poll. I've never even heard of them. You um, like that? It's a deep cut. Yeah, that's <laughs> why you're on the show, man. <laughs> Thank you. But saying that stuff about parenting, like uh, oftentimes when we're talking about men and women, it always comes down to sort of that that partnership of because you more often than not you have kids and it gets distilled down into like a a unit and a partnership and a especially when you have kids is parenting, but like. I think it what gets lost in that is individualism because a lot of times when you do get into relationships, yeah, um, you you can lose yourself. But you know, I don't know if you remember that that book from like the it might have been like the '90s. Uh, Men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Totally. But there's always like this fascination and anthropological thing of like. Why are men and women so different? Mm-hmm. You know, we're all trying to like figure that thing out. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, we're stuck with each other. Like we aren't, you know, no one's going anywhere, right? There's got, you need men and women to make babies. Well, maybe you don't. I mean, you don't really because you can just kind of produce it in other ways. But that's a different, this might be a subject we should talk about. <laughs> but. I was reading, well, I'm, I'm mentioning that though, is because there's always the, 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 a book like that is polarizing because mm-hmm. it's like men and women are two different things one's from a di- they're both from different planets you know so how could they even like there's a there's got to be a way 
yeah. to coexist. And I was reading, rereading Dune. Oh, nice. Because um, the movie coming out. For the movie. There you go. Because it looks really good. Right. Yeah, it it does look good. Although I, Cohen just read it too, because I encouraged him to read yeah. it. So he's super stoked for it. And uh, I told him I I didn't. Uh, I didn't read a ton, but like the review that I did read was essentially like half the story. Like they made yeah, they made the movie in order yeah. to have a sequel. But they they don't even know if it's going to be a sequel. They haven't even started production on it and all I, that. So I was just like, I think it's important going into the movie that you you're prepared for it not to be resolved. Yeah, I think it's a what I read too was like it's they stop at around the two thirds point gotcha. in the book. But anyway. There was something there, like I've read it a whole bunch of times over the years, right? And there's always something you get from it, new, which each reading. And this reading, though, was something that ties in directly to what we're talking about, is at the end, Paul, who's the main character, explains exactly what the Kwisatch Haderach is, which is what he has been bred to be. And that's like the shortening of the way. It's all like can you being able to see the future and look in places where people, but he explains it as like, you know, the Benny gestators, which is his mother is, right. um, are all females mm-hmm. and they couldn't go and look in this certain area. Mm-hmm. And a, only a man could look in that area. Mm-hmm. And the way he breaks it down is that men are givers are takers. Men are takers and women are givers. So they look in those areas when they, they're looking into the with this prescient thoughts mm-hmm. that women look at the giving star and when they have to look at the taking part it's too dark for them to do <laughs> and like when men go in and look at the the giving part it's not something they can do but there was this you know Paul's this one man that can look everywhere can do both yeah but like that breaking down of it and it goes all the way back to the beginning of time of the roles of men and women mm-hmm. have been shaped over time to be this way. Mm. And that is like, that's the difference mm. in us. Mm. I mean, right. I do think, I do think you're right from the standpoint that like history and anthropology over that time has definitely shaped in huge, deep, deep ways our ideas and understanding of masculinity and femininity and our, our understanding of what roles in a traditional kind of general way. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why those books uh, like, um, you know, the Venus Mars books can be polarizing is because they're trying to be general and in being general, you're going to always offend somebody who doesn't fit into those generalities, you know? Um, And so, but in general, I think you're right that that all that has been deeply, deeply rooted into who we are from a historical and anthrop- anthropological standpoint. However, I would also say is I do think that uh, there are aspects of gender that go beyond that, too. Like I think there's aspects of gender that that that, again, generally speaking, like I, I didn't have to. Um, I didn't have to encourage or teach, for example, my boys to pick up a ball or teach my girls to pick up a doll. Like like some of that was was innate 
right? Some of that was 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 it wasn't learnt. It was innate, and I, I can't draw a line or can't divide it equally, or I shouldn't say equally, neatly. Um, but I do think that there there are gender differences that go deeper than just like what society and and history have taught us as well. Now, I, I think what happens is is that those those unique differences are amplified over the course of time, you know. Um, within culture and, and reinforced and, and then they become, you know, more sharpened and, and, and more divisive and that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing about this from a, a, a 21st century, uh, conversation is that, um, a lot of, a lot of the talk right now is, is, is that there is no such thing as gender, that there is yeah. no such thing as differences, you know, yeah. um, which is a pretty unique concept when you think about, you know, history, um, obviously you, you can always pick out little things here and there in regards to, well, they did this or they thought that. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I do think that a lot of that is culturally reinforced without question, you know, and I, th- I didn't think and it's an easy way out too, because I remember thinking at the time, cause that wasn't a huge, that was a very popular book that minute from Mars. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. And I remember thinking like that just gave everyone an out of like whenever there's a chance to understand someone from the opposite sex. It was like, ah, they're just they're just yep. crazy. And we use that a lot for women, especially where we go. She crazy. She's crazy. Crazy. Yep. Women are crazy. What are you going to do? Agreed. You know? No, I think it becomes an easy excuse, you know, and yeah. for to reinforce negative behavior. You know, because yeah. because I think part of what that book was trying to do, and I don't, I mean, I know I read it, but it was super super long ago. Um, but I've read other books kind of in that vein. Um, I think I think what they do is they 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 try to enforce positive things, but it's easy to focus on the negative, and then when you go, oh yeah, that's how guys are. Like guys, you know, they're just selfish, or you know, guys just want to sit in front of a TV. You know, it's like. Okay, yeah, like again, in general terms, some of that has truth to it, but it doesn't be- it shouldn't become a means of excusing bad behavior. And that's what I think right. happens or reinforces bad behavior to say, okay, well, yeah, you know, uh, men are stronger in general physically. So the idea that the men should pick up the garbage and take out the garbage every single week, okay, that makes sense. But it doesn't mean that they also can't, you know, um, change a diaper. <laughs> you know, it doesn't right. mean it doesn't mean that they can't learn how to sew. Like, you know, give me a break. Like that. That's the sort of thing that I think it, it, it goes too far and too extreme and too negative. Or learn how to iron their clothes. Hundred percent. Exactly right. Yeah. We uh, we were taught. Mom taught us how to sew and iron and all that. Oh, I I I mean, I am the main ironer in our home. Yeah. Right. I, oh, I, don't totally. even iron, I don't even iron stuff anymore, though. <laughs> Do you not? No, no, it was just like wrinkles. Go ahead. It's, it's cool. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But I don't have a lot of wrinkles anymore. I don't know how that works. You take you have to take the clothes out of the dryer immediately. Ooh, man, we're getting, that's some, how you avoid, getting some home that's tips how you, here, man. That's, that's how, how you avoid wrinkles. <laughs> Josh's housekeeping. Did you take... <laughs> Did you take home ec in high school? Did. 
Yeah. Yeah. I never we lived took in, it. When we lived in Maine, uh, yeah. there was there was a year where one semester it was home ec, and then the second semester was shop. <laughs> I never took any of those classes, shop or home ec. Uh, I loved them both, honestly. They were great. What, did you make stuff in shop? Heck yeah, man. Do you not yeah. remember the lamp, the baseball and bat lamp? That was like in sure. our – it was in our room for I do ages. remember that. That was a piece of crap. What are you it talking was, about? It was not. It was incredible. It was awesome. Where is that thing now? Um, I have no idea. Broken. It definitely is broken. Yeah, definitely. But it lasted a good long time. It was quality How craftsmanship. How old were you when you made that? Uh, I think I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. So 15. So that, yeah, I didn't – I guess I'm, I must have been in that – you must have been like the last like kid, like whatever. We're the same generation, but like you must have been like the, in the last part of like shop and home ec. Maybe so. Yeah, I probably was. I was on the tail end of that because I do remember yeah. like like making a cake in home ec. And like wow. that was that was like part of the test. And then did you, um, have, did you have help? I'm sure we did. I mean, like, like you should, yeah, I think there was a partner and I think, you know, you, you had several attempts to practice and that sort of stuff. But I, same thing with uh, like this is random, but like I, I, I don't think they do typing classes anymore either. Like I remember taking a typing class. Then I did do, which was like maybe the most helpful thing ever. This is like the most helpful thing, helpful class I've ever had in my life. Like you actually learned a skill. Yes, that was it right there. That right. and cursive writing, because no one uses cursive anymore. They don't. No, that's true. And I remember I was telling this to someone the other day that uh, kids, like teachers, I have like I work with a couple of teachers, and like none of the kids, they don't teach cursive. None of the kids know how to do it. And I was like, that must have been like a long time ago, because I remember when I was early 20s, there was a guy that hung out in this friend group that was probably like, I don't know, four or five years younger than me, and he didn't know how to write in cursive. Really? So it, it happened a long time ago. Wow. The phasing out of cursive writing. That's interesting. Yeah. But anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. Right. Well, it's just a little, little bunny trail. Um yeah, so you're right. Yeah, just kind of back to those reinforced uh, sort of sort of roles and that sort of stuff. So good. I think that the the aspect of like calling or like labeling women crazy has been a thing that's been going on for a long time. They used to call it hysteria. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think that it's easy for men to do that and not deal. Cause you told me something one time, and this is sort of kind of Venus and Marsy, but it was extremely helpful at the time. Mm. You said that men are like waffles, and women are like spaghetti. Yeah, it's not. I didn't. And I you didn't. You were saying that. that regards to because at the time um, I was talking to you about how like you'll get into the and you're in a relationship, you'll get into these conversations. And the woman will always want to circle back to the thing that you think that you've already dealt with. Correct. Yeah. And that's that's why you told me the waffle spaghetti thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not original to me. Like, it was a. I think that was another book. You know, like it was another book of Mars and Venus sort of sort of mentality. But I have found it very helpful. And again, it's a generalization because I think there are a lot of women that I know who are really good, what I would call wafflers, from the standpoint that they can they can compartmentalize, they can section yeah. things off. And then I know a lot of guys who are like spaghetti, where it's like, you know, you, you don't know one end from the other because everything connects and everything, you know, runs together. But again, in general, it's been very helpful for me because that's definitely the dynamic in in my marriage is that, um, you know, I, I'm I'm like I'm a, I'm a gifted compartmentalizer, <laughs> you know, and, right. and Candace is not by any stretch. And so to have a conversation with her um, and then all of a sudden feel like it from my perspective, it takes, you know, a 180 degree turn in her mind. It was a very smooth, you know, curve right into, you know, that lane of conversation. And I'm like, well, how in the world did that connect to that? Um, right. But yeah, I think that's partly, again, one of the, the, the general differences between um, how a lot of men think versus how a lot of women think. You know, and that's a that's a huge communication gap that takes a lot of work to overcome. And I think it's probably a really good thing to not compartmentalize things a lot. Oh, totally. You should. I mean, unless you're in the CIA. (laughs) Well, there's something I've been needing to confess. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Following in our grandfather's footsteps. <laughs> exactly right. But you can't tell me. You can't tell me you have to keep it a secret. He kept it a secret a long time. Apparently. Apparently. But uh, I think I feel like mom is a very good spaghetti person. Oh yeah. Without yeah. question. Like, I like think that's what her spaghetti goes back, her, her spaghetti goes back decades. Yes, like she's a, like somebody forgot to cut the spaghetti. <laughs> exactly. Those noodles are long. Yeah. There's a lot of circling back to things. Totally. Yeah. For sure. And I think that's something we have, we learned. Uh, we could say that we learned that. I mean, yeah. we could, you could have been totally blindsided by Candace. Yeah, no, that that's a fair point for sure. And I I think that is uh I think that's what I would say though. Yeah. I definitely learned that that was, you know, in existence. Um, but I think what I've learned since then is, you know, how to recognize it and then try to communicate through and with that sort of mentality, you know. Um, and you're, I think you're absolutely spot on from the standpoint that it's not always healthy to compartmentalize. Like sometimes it can be very, very useful. And very helpful, but sometimes it can be very, very damaging as well and dangerous. Yeah, because I think I think sometimes they lead to secrets, like you keeping secrets uh, well, to yourself. And like I, yeah. I don't think you can I keep secrets from women. It's not a good thing. Yeah, I think it. I think it does. You're right. Lead to secrets, and I think it also. I think for me, I think it probably leads to. It's not memory loss. But I think it's it's compartmentalizing things to the point where it's like I don't I don't you know you ever watched you ever watched the BBC Sherlock where he talks about oh, the yeah. mind the mind vault you know yeah. and, and talks yeah. about like things that he can kind of file and access when he needs to access them like I think sometimes that's how I am like not to that degree obviously but like 
like there are things that I can kind of put in the back of the vault and not have to access. And and I think that can be very dangerous at times because sometimes it takes a while to bring it back to the front. And I'm having a conversation with Candace and I'm like, why, why am I not remembering? Like it's not a fact, but some, a lot of times it would be like an emotional response. Like she's telling me something that she's gone through and I'm going, why am I not feeling as hurt as I should right now? And maybe that's because I, 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 I compartmentalized that emotion, you know? That's another another good point of emotion. Like the, the, the notion of emotions, men are more often than not considered unemotional as women are emotional. And that led into the women are emotional, they're hysteric, totally. but really they're processing things correctly. Yes. That's right. Yeah, it's not you know. that men are unemotional because we obviously know that's not true. It's that oftentimes, again, speaking generally, men don't want to deal with their emotions. They want to run from them. Yeah. They just want to, yeah. you know, put them aside. Like I think that I think that's a, a a holdover from like when like men are at, a, at in this modern world are at a crossroads. We can see it with yeah. white men especially. Definitely, but. Yeah, I think it speaks to a, a more broader, all-encompassing thing as far as just males in general is like things happened, you know, thousands of years ago of like, okay, the man is stronger physically. Right. He's gonna go out and hunt. Yeah. Right. And the mo- and the women stay home and take care of babies or gather things, and mm-hmm. that was the dynamic. Mm-hmm. And then. When agriculture hit, um, you don't really need to hunt as much. What do men do? Farmed. Or they make war. Well, yeah, that's right. And they have to be active in doing things. And in that kind of mindset, there's not a lot of room for emotion. Mm-hmm. And so, but we're not in that. We don't live in that world anymore. Yeah. You know. Well, I I think we we do and we don't. I mean, I do still think that. Oftentimes, unfairly, and I'm not I'm not in any sort of way trying to like um, like create sympathy for the male population in the world. But I do think unfairly there are times where um, it's still expected that men do not share or talk about their emotions. So yeah. like we don't live in that world anymore, but in a way we do because there's still there's still a an expectation. And, and I would say it's interesting, like, like living, living here in the UK now for a little over two years, uh, you know, their perception of Americans, like, again, big picture is that we're way more emotional than, than they are. And so the idea of the repressed, you know, uh, buttoned up kind of British perspective for both men and women is definitely alive and well here. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that you sort of know about uh stereotype of Britain, British yeah. people is that they are like kind of button up and don't show emotion. And and I would say for the most part, that's spot on. Like it really is. Yeah. And and so, again, just that's an illustration, though, I think of a wider kind of kind of uh, truth in that um, while there's so much more room now. Um, it seems in the 21st century for men to talk out loud and to process and and to be emotional that that sometimes there's still a negative reinforcement of that the, to, to stay away from it and don't do it. But I think that we're still 
traveling in the same patterns though men especially because like yes you're you're not going out and hunting and gathering anymore and yes you're not really not for the most part if you're a male you've probably never seen war or been in a violent situation like that but it that attitude of like compartmentalization and and showing no emotion goes into the business world because i've had this conversation like when i was Mm -hmm. working at this other job and my friend who's a female was talking to this guy who's a venture capitalist who owned the bar and they got into this conversation about and she's very her gender norms are a bit different she's not a typical emotional woman Mm -hmm. whatever that means to you Mm Because she had gotten this conversation with him and they both agreed that emotions are, are useless. Hmm. Like, like in, in business or just in general? In general. Wow. But like this, I get where he's coming from. I think what she's trying to do is like hide some things and not share things and be vulnerable with people because it hurts and like she doesn't know how to do it. Another story. But for him, he's a, he's a venture capitalist. He's a millionaire. And like probably thinks that that line of thinking of like there's no room for emotion in these hardcore decisions that you have to make. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that I I, I can see where that's the case, but I I would say what you just described about your female friend of why she might be avoiding emotions. I would say he's probably if he's that staunch. He's dealing with the exact same thing she is. He's definitely dealing with hurt somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. like the it's like the Fisher King, you know, yeah. the Fisher King story. Yeah. Um, about like the male is always like it, there's this male is hurt and doesn't know how to get over it. Mm-hmm. That story is like exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean there there is a which is a Grail, an old like Christian like yeah. English Grail story yeah by the way have you seen the green knight i have actually that's really good right i like that a lot i had i had mixed but there's reactions there's some fisher king in that yeah definitely definitely i it's funny because i totally was thinking about you when i was watching that movie um because i was like i i would i i bet you josh really likes this movie and i think there were parts of it that i really enjoyed and then there's parts of it that i really just kind of scratched my head on. Um, but overall, though, I thought it was a good watch. Yeah. It pertains to what we're talking to today because we mentioned the Fisher King, but I think that that is that story. You can look at it in a lot of different ways and try to figure out what it's about. But one of those aspects I think that it, it's saying is like it could be the fall of man, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you could look as that story is saying that. And I think the fall of man is basically just a deconstruction mm. of the male psyche because mm. it has we, what we're talking about it it has been built up into all these compartmentalized things you well know? yeah i mean and I that think, needs some that needs some deconstruction i think for us to go forward yeah yeah i mean uh, to from the standpoint of you know what the fall was like if you if you go back like from a theological perspective and what we've talked about in the past the fall being you know the adam and eve story i think you're right because there was a deconstruction of roles in that story you know and uh but that's also there's another story too though that it that sort of paints the woman as the villain 
Um, I think you can definitely read it that way. I don't think that is how – I don't think that's how the story um, presents it by any stretch, and I definitely don't think that's how the late the New Testament writers would 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 present it either. Um, so because like you don't think that there's like a I don't know where you're at on like film noir and like you've heard of the term femme fatale. Definitely, yeah. There's always like in these movies, there's always like a woman who's like very beautiful and like cunning and seducing right. and like somehow maneuvers this guy into right doing dastardly things. Like you right. know, like the one of the one of them is um. Postman always rings twice or double indemnity, you know. And I think that there's a long line of stories like that. Of like I, stories yeah, you're right. Like making the woman kind of like this uh, black widow. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, I think, man, I think that goes into like even, you know, kind of the whole realm of sexuality because I think a lot of times what happens in that sort of story is that, um, you know, they're saying that a woman's sexuality uh is is something that's used to be manipulative and, and right it's a, like like it's all she has right right exactly you know? that's what she has at her disposal yeah yeah but, but that, yeah, i mean i so, think we still kind of live under i mean there's plenty of plenty of that kind of energy still going on from men definitely that's yeah. what i'm talking about circling back to the beginning of the misogyny you yeah, know, that's pure misogyny. Thinking along those lines. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of work um, to to kind of break out of those molds, you know, because like we're saying, they're they're reinforced, you know, through what we see, what we read, what we listen to, what we watch. But I think the one thing that I have learned though is that through all of these interactions and relationships with women is that, and I said before, very very simply. And playing is like they're smarter, but also they where they want to be in life is probably where you want to be. What do you mean? Unpack that. Like, I think that the thing that the the nurturing part of women being mothers is a better place to be as a human being mm. than sort of men are kind of dog eat dog world, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. aggressive and like wanting to like stake their claim yeah i got you yeah i mean i think you know i think the react for me the reality is it's not an either or like i think that's what's beautiful about uh masculinity and femininity is that they both have their strengths and they're and and if 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 lived in the right way they complement each other i mean that's the thing is like i think you know in life, you need to be both nurturing at times and aggressive at times. You know, like it's it's not a bad thing sometimes to be strong and aggressive. And I will say this: like I think some of the most, you know, aggressive and strongest people I know are women. <laughs> you know, so so it's not just it's oh, not just I would an either or. I definitely say strong, strongest for sure. Um, recently. In America, especially when we have women running for public offices, mm-hmm. you know, we had this big disaster where this guy Trump was elected and he was running against a woman. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people think that that's a big reason why he won. 
because people don't want a woman as president. I think there's or, probably probably some truth to they that. They don't want women running things, you know. Yeah. But no, like, I think there's your, truth. How is your how's your household running? <laughs> right. Pretty damn good, right? Right, right. Right. No, Why does I, that not translate? Why does that not translate? Like all these men that are married and they have kids and like the woman's running the household and everything runs fine. I, I they don't think they could run like a a country. I completely agree with you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think uh, well, and you know, if anything, uh, one, for me at least, one of the things that uh, the last eighteen months has shown as different countries have reacted to the COVID crisis. I mean, you've seen like New Zealand, right? Like they've got a strong leader. Right. And she's woman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, And so, I mean, that really should 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 put it should put to rest a lot of people's doubt. But, you know, again, this is where, Josh, the roots of misogyny and the deconstruction doesn't happen for people. Here's another bit of misogyny. Maybe New New Zealand's really easy to run. Correct. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the that's one of the things of, of well, yeah, it's a country of I don't know hey, five million people. Let's, you know? We'll trade you. We'll trade you Biden. Give us <laughs> see how she has your runs. I wish right. we could trade leaders. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like there was a trade yeah. deadline. Like, right, and we just and we just like pull this rabbit out of a hat and get the New Zealand lady. Right, we we trade we we trade our president for your prime minister along with you know a couple billion Quite dollars in debt later. <laughs> <laughs> right. Senators uh, to be named later. We're going to just a couple cabinet ministers. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. Maybe you throw, you throw Fauci good, in. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can keep that guy, right? No, I know, but sometimes you got to sweeten the pot. <laughs> yeah. Just give him some draft picks. Exactly. But the, going back to the COVID thing, though, and this thing was uh, I mentioned earlier. We're circle back to that is like there's this thing about like people not getting a vaccine and they're using this phrase, my body, my choice. I know. I right. Know. And then you go I back know. to women have been saying that for a long time about abortion. I know it's 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 a very interesting conversation to get into for people who are pro-life um, yeah. be, because logically um, it's the same argument. Right. Yeah. Um, now I have heard, you know, people try to make, uh, distinctions and going, well, you know, one choice is, um, you know, taking another life. The other choice is, uh, is, is not doing that. But I think you can make the argument, well, hang on, aren't, aren't both issues of health, aren't both issues of public health. Um, so yeah, you're right. I think, I think pro-lifers have a very difficult time using that argument and being um, logically consistent. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't make sense. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. But as with anything, people are going to find their little loopholes and ways of justifying what, they, what they're what they saying. But, the, you know, that's another issue, though, that women have to deal with is, like, other people making decisions about their bodies, you know? Like, men don't have to do that. Men don't have that going on. Yeah, no, not. I agree. Yeah, you're right. It, it's, like, it's, I'm, I'm it's pretty unique. sure. I'm not really sure where you. Um, I can imagine where you stand on that right. issue, but right. Yeah, and it's to me, it's it's you know, it, it's it's less about telling, um, telling someone what to do with their body, and it's more about trying to protect 
a body that can't speak up for itself, you know, and and obviously, you know, people will will argue about viability and what constitutes life and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, for, for me, that that that's one of those things where it's like, OK, I get it. I get the idea of of someone telling you not you can't you can't tell me what to do with my body. Um, but we sometimes forget in most cases, I know there are always the extremes and there's always the, 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 the cases that are, you know, heartbreak cases. But in most cases, a choice has been – a choice was made to do something with your body, and now that's the consequence of that choice. I get that. and But my big beef, though, is like a lot of times the people who are arguing for pro-life, pro-lifers, um, they don't give a damn once the baby's born. I hundred percent agree with you, Josh. Yeah. I, the reality is, is that most pro-lifers are actually not pro-life. They are pro-life no. before birth. Yeah, they're they're pro like a cause. That, yeah, no, I, compl- I completely something. agree with you because they're the same people who are also, you know, the first to vote for the death penalty. Yeah. Right. Well, you that, know? I mean, that's like if you're, you know, registered as a Republican, you probably that's where you stand on life is you're pro baby life, but you're pro. Yeah. Pro this guy dying. Yeah. And and, oh, and you're boy. also you're and more likely you're probably pro white baby life. And I wonder like I, this is a stretch, but I wonder if there is a correlation between like a woman being forced to have a baby that she doesn't want and criminal recidivism. I mean, people have made that argument like, before. Yeah, I'm sure they have. Yeah. De- definitely pe- pe- people have made that argument. And I think there, I think there are holes in the argument. Um, and I think you have to be careful once you go down that road um, in regards to linking those two things. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, like few and far between. But. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So I do. I agree with you. I think there's a lot of um, inconsistency in the way people process that type of argument, you know. And um, and I think going back to what we were talking about, unfortunately, like a lot of people don't take into consideration, you know, what 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 a woman goes through, you know. And unless you are intentional about educating yourself and intentional about um, surrounding yourself. Um, to learn about those things, you're just going to continue to be in that rut. Yeah, I, so. you know, I don't know if we like answered any. I never know if we answer any questions. I don't either. I, I don't either. I mean, I think, I think it was a good conversation though. Yeah, I think the I, reality is, is you and I. Is that what like? Is, yeah, but I said something about something that I'd learned the most about, you know, as far as from women. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm not, I don't know if you said anything. Like, I, I don't think I did, but I, what I would do the way that I answer that is I would say I, you've, you've kind of already mentioned it to some degree. I, I think what I've learned most, and I, I, you know, I would say that, that this is obviously, um, really centered because of my wife, because that's the person I've spent the most time with. Um, the woman that I've been around uh, the most is I've I've learned the importance of compassion. You know, you talked a little bit about the just kind of those general differences of you know nurturing and and 
dog eat dog. Um, what I've realized about myself, um, and again, it's not all men, but for the most part, what I have realized about most men, particularly myself, there are, there are things that are close to my heart that I get passionate about and I feel compassion for. Um, but the depth of compassion that my wife feels, say, for example, you know, any sort of child that is in a tough situation, any sort of of family that uh, is struggling, like her compassion knows no bounds. You know, like we, we I mean, that was one of the reasons we 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 talked about. I know I'm getting off track here a little bit, but like that was one of the reasons when we went through the adoption process for our daughter. You know, one of the things that you consider is how do you go about that? Do you do private adoption? Do you do international or do you go through the foster system? And we quickly identified that um, she was not built to adopt through the foster system because there's a greater than zero chance, a real likelihood, because this is what the foster system is set up to do, is to reunite families that you would get connected to a child, and then that child would be placed back with their family. And emotionally, I think she would have been an absolute wreck, an absolute wreck in that situation because of the the compassion that she has, you know, for for children. So I, I think that's the thing that's been. I don't know if learned is the right word. I think that's the thing that's most impacted me and influenced me and caused me to see a deficit in my own life, a deficit of compassion in my own life, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. But see, yeah. So I think the thing that we can take away from this is like, we're going to write a book <laughs> and the book is women are the best and they're okay. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> they're, they're okay exactly yes and then in the back i think one of the appendixes should be like josh's top 10 housekeeping tips yeah <laughs> i got a few of them oh, okay there we go yeah um but mostly it's just easy stuff you know hey listen what's easy for you may be hard for others don't downplay your 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 insights yeah, I think you you know you mentioned something about about Percy, who's our grandfather, Percy washing Martin. dishes. I don't yeah, remember man. that. I do. I yeah, do. Really? Yeah. Because I feel like that's what you do every time I go over your house. You're washing dishes. I'm a little and obsessive. That's I, and that's what I do. Do you? I wash the dishes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like maybe that's just like a Mayhall thing. Hey, dude, maybe so. That's I'll take that. That's but okay. like, we shouldn't toot our own horns just washing dishes. No, that's why I said like so, sometimes it's a bit of an obsession for me. Sometimes Candace is like, "Why are you doing dishes while I'm trying to cook? Get out of my way!" <laughs> <laughs> you know. So yeah, I think mom, we did learn like mom did teach us a lot of what you would call like like things that a wife would do well and some of that all of that i'm thankful for some of that i think was just pure necessity right because yes. she's working and so you and i've got to cook our our dinner you know you and i gotta make sure our clothes are washed you know you are gotta make sure 
mean, we had chores, like we had to learn how to, we had to vacuum, we had to do all that sort of stuff, you know? So I'm thankful for that because there's a lot of, yard. do you remember mowing that yard on Parkwood? How completely. gross that was? Because we had a dog, right? Well, that was part and of the, the dog. It was only gross if one of us didn't do our job. The dog would poop in the backyard, but we'd have to mow the lawn every week, but we'd have to go and pick up the dog poop. First. We had this stupid system that (laughs) – I don't know what it was with mom and rusted iron goods, but, like, we had, like, this pot. Like, it was like a – It was like a cast iron pot. It was like a rusted-out cast iron pot with a rusted-out spatula. Yes. And we had to go and pick up dog poop with it. And then we would put it in the in a rusted out barrel and burn it. <laughs> what, what, how did I we mean, how it, did we ever get out of there alive? I I I just don't understand why we were carrying such a heavy pot. <laughs> why couldn't it have been plastic? <laughs> you know. Why couldn't we just pick up after the dog immediately? Like most people oh, do these that, days. But, dude, you know, that that never was the case. Like, I never saw people do that. I thought that was only something you had to do, like, in New York City on the sidewalk. Did you th- do you think all the other people were doing that in their backyards on Parkwood Drive? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. That place is a blight on the world. <laughs> hey, it was a good place to grow up. You guys think, think it is. <laughs> we like to think it is. No, not – we don't like to think it is. We like to think it was. I'm not saying it is right now. I'm sure it's probably really rough right we, now. We burned our garbage. It couldn't have been that good. That's what everyone did, man. No, I mean. That was the 80s in the South. <laughs> Come on, bro. I was telling someone the other day. I was telling someone the other day about uh, <laughs> being in the back of a pickup truck. Yeah. Right? Like like how Driving. how – yeah, but how ghetto – ghetto is not the right word, but how redneck. Like not only would we be in the back of a pickup truck like just to go across town, but can you remember like long trips to like Arkansas in the back of a truck uh, freezing? We lived, in, we lived in Maine and drove to Virginia in the back of that Williams truck. The cover? But it was covered. Yeah. But it was freezing. It was like Christmas time. Completely. But we had like blankets and pillows and stuff back well, there. Come on, but, but we had these things. Why are we second class citizens? I, I don't. William I don't treated us like more and more. I think about it. William treated us like dogs. I think that was. I don't think we were the only ones being treated that way. I think that was a no, bit of a cultural. Really too, no, I'm saying it was a cultural issue. Saying other families did that too. We weren't the only ones. I mean, it's okay in the south in the summer. You're in the back, you know, letting your hair fly around and stuff. And agreed. Like that's the way you did it. And it was legal. Also in Louisiana, you can drink and drive. And have guns on the back of your window. It's a backwards place. <laughs> How would we ever understand a woman living in Louisiana? Oh well, that's a good point. No, that's a yeah. really good point. No. I know. I still think people don't necessarily believe that America and 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 what we went through as children like is real. When I talk about it here, like we so like like one of the things, real quick, like locally every year, um, in the city that we that the church is in, uh, they have this big feast. It's called Houghton Feast, and it's like a it's like a it's like a carnival type of deal, um, but it's like the oldest feast in England. 
all right? Like it goes back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So it's a big to-do, rides, you know, all that sort of stuff. So someone got killed this year. An 18-year-old year boy was in some sort of altercation with like six or seven – the report is 13 to 14-year-olds, and they stabbed him with a knife. Wow. So wow. so this morning, like I'm talking to some people and you know, it's it's part of the chit chat going around and and one guy's like, I mean, what in the world is a thirteen or fourteen year old doing with a knife? And like all of a sudden it just hit me. I was like, Okay, this is horrible. I'm not I'm not taking anything away from that, but like all of a sudden it hit me, what a very different conversation I'm having with this guy. Because if we were in the States, it would it would be, Why does a thirteen and fourteen year old have a gun? Yeah. Right. You know, so it's just so it's sometimes I think people don't necessarily grasp just how different the culture really is comparatively. And well, and then as you take it specifically to the south, you know, where, again, we grew up with, you know, guns in the back of the back of the car and, um, you know, no one knew what a gun safe was. They were just out and about and. You know, all that sort of stuff. You mean like a gun rack on the back of the window? (laughs) Correct, with a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that you still see that now in the South. Are they they still around? Yeah, you can. I think so. Like, if you're. I didn't think you could do that now because you have to have like a. You can definitely do it because different states have different gun laws. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous place. Yeah, but anyway, hopefully we women justice today. We probably didn't, but you know, what are you gonna do? Well, we'll probably wind up having multiple more episodes about it at some point. Yeah, I really think we should do another Bible story again. It's been a while. Maybe we a- should do one like on a that's like a, a story about a woman of the Bible. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, there's some great ones. In fact, I just right. did I just did a whole uh we just did a whole series here at the church not that long ago on Esther. And and went through, Esther? Yeah, went through that book of the Bible, Esther. Yeah. Which is a pretty fascinating story because it's the only book that, in the it's the only book in the Bible that doesn't mention the name of God. Is that the Old Testament? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's do that then. Yeah, it's interesting. So, it's an All idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Yeah. But uh that so I always we always get to this point and I'm like where I start at every beginning of every episode is like I don't know how we're gonna do this one. <laughs> and then and we get like an hour, hour and a half in minutes later and I'm like, Okay, well we did it again. I agree. I'm, I'm talking way. like we have like this successful podcast, but we don't. <laughs> hey, you know what? Success is in certain people's minds. So right. to some people it is, to others they just haven't found it yet. Yeah. Anyway, so this is another episode of My Brother's Deeper. We usually do this thing where we tell people to, you know, like rate and like and support our podcast or whatever. And I don't even care anymore. Like I care about the podcast, but I don't like. Yeah, if I you mean, want to say that. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where like it's good that we're not obsessed with it, right? We're not we're not defined by it. But um, if you are listening and you do like it, um, we would love uh, a positive rating and we'd love for you to share it 
you know, just spread the word, share, share the goodness um, on whatever social media platform or forms that you are part of. Um, not because, you know, we are are thinking that, you know, we're the greatest thing in the world, but we just, you know, we like interacting with people and just even, you know, talking about you hearing from a friend of yours that uh, might want to jump on and be a part of this. Like, I think that's great. So, yeah, just like, share and uh, give us a good rating. And, um, yeah, we'll be back soon, hopefully. We will be. Um, we'll try to keep it better a better uh, schedule with it. But, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, and that's okay. Um, so, anyway, thank you for listening, and we'll s- see you soon. Yep, thank you. Bye. Peace.